Welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, the series that are part of the Leaders Performance Podcast, or hopefully unearth stories and insights from the top people within high performance and what they're doing now with a bit more time on their hands and what they're planning to do when sport returns to all of our lives. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute. I'd like to say hello again to all the returning listeners and say a big welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. It's also a pleasure to have my co-host alongside me once again. It's CEO and founder of Gaines Group and my California colleague, Steve Gira. How are you and how's LA this morning, Steve? Hey, Matt. Um, I'm doing well. Um, LA this morning is pretty good. Uh, more birds um, than I think uh, we've ever had in the, in the history of LA um, over the last like, probably 20, 30 years. Um, if you live in LA now, you can uh, you can actually go get tested, which is uh, for first city in the US to, to have that available, which is... I think a remarkable milestone and a little bit of a demonstration that, you know, we are, we're getting closer to uh, having some solutions that can uh, pull us out of this. Um, And then the last two weeks have been, got a little bit of a a sports fix with uh, the last dance and, and then the NFL draft. And so I'm excited to really dig into the NFL draft here today. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure it's a lot sunnier in LA than it is here in England because it's raining cats and dogs at the moment but good to hear and we're lucky enough to have another GM on the podcast today and our first from the NFL fresh from the draft it's Thomas Dimitrov of the Atlanta Falcons. Thomas how are you this morning sir? I'm Matthew well it's it's not as warm here as probably LA Um, although it's a little you know it's usually pretty good here in Atlanta as you know but I had my I went for a ride this morning had my Rafa gear on isn't that a UK company? (laughs) Absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, everything's good. I can't wait to talk to you guys today. Good. And what's your working from home setup like? Are you still in the war room or have you dismantled that and have a, have a slightly different setup? No, it's interesting. Uh, I had a fairly basic setup here. I mean, I didn't spend a ton of time at home. This, this is unbelievable how it's going to change remote working for the NFL. It's a whole other topic to, to touch on for sure. I left it intact. I'm so excited. I mean, put a lot of, uh, you know, there were some basic elements to the tech technology here, but they really helped me out with some really cool monitors and, and uh, different elements to, to get ready for the draft. And I've told them that my plan is to keep it here. So uh, add that to my budget because it will stay in my house. Good stuff. And how, how's the family both at home and also the, the family, the Falcons? Everyone's doing well. I mean, we've been fortunate. I mean, everyone's very aware of, of course, the seriousness of, of COVID-19 and how it affects families uh, close to home and then, you know, your families, you know, your proverbial uh, team families. And it's interesting, you you know, you hear so much about it. And yet uh, a lot of people you talk to have never not been, it's not touching them that closely. You know, at times it is, and, and they're really aware of it. And then other times they, they can't mention someone that's that close to them who is, who is dealing with it. It's, I find it fascinating in that way. So in your middle, in the middle of getting ready for the draft, I, I was, you know, so focused on the draft that I wouldn't think. And then I'd have them a couple hours to be thinking about it and realize, of course, the massive severity of it all. So I think that's common around our, our parts. And aside from the draft and the ins and outs of football, what are you focusing on right now? And is there anything different that you, you'd usually be focusing on now at this time of year that, that maybe you are focusing on a little bit more? Well, we're, you know, we just finished the draft, as you know, so there's a lot of regrouping and debriefing on what went down from the standpoint of how we operated. And, you know, we're touching, we're, we're touching base on a lot of different elements of team building, the finishing stages of our team building. What's really interesting now is Dan Quinn and myself are, and, and, and I are really, really um, busy, you know, finalizing our, our contacts with all of our players, right? The new 
not only the draft picks that we had, the six draft picks, but the the uh, 18 to 19 new free agents we added in, in uh, college free agency. And what we've done, we've never done this in the past. So again, back to the remote side of it, we're connecting with everyone via, you know, via teams and, and spending time with these guys. And, and we feel that much more connected, believe it or not, than we would have coming into another setting other years. So we're really working on our regular interaction, not only within our office, of course, but within this growing team. And uh, it's, it's been, the players have been very receptive to it. And that's important for us. Thomas, you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned the, the work set up at home and working virtually. And, and, you, and you basically alluded there that, that that's going to stay and that there are going to be aspects of this that are going to stay. Well, aside from that, um, what are some of the unintended consequences or things that you guys have had to implement as part of the reaction to COVID that you think uh, might be here to stay or just, or maybe just talk about some of the unintended consequences that you're seeing um, in addition to just even the virtual working from home? Well, Steve, first of all, I mean, you think about it, football and, and you know, you know, the sport and you know, professional sports in general, there's, and I, I attribute it to a lot of us growing up in, in post, you know, around fathers who are post-war gen people and that that crazy guilt that we all have right about leaving early or not you know or coming in a little bit later in the morning or you know spending a little time with your family or working from home you know when you get in at two o'clock in the afternoon instead of driving all the way up to flowery branch from atlanta airport i come home and i feel comfortable and uh and uh confident and and uh, at peace with the fact that i am working effectively and efficiently at home. Well, that's one of the things we've always struggled with, especially I can only speak to football for sure, but it's, it's been a guilt ridden thing forever that you have to be there. And if people start talking about someone not um, being necessarily in the office, it's, it's that they're shirking their duties. And it started at the beginning of all this when Arthur Blank, our owner, definitely stressed to everyone the importance of, of learning how to adeptly work remotely. So that, that was a start to all of this because we had a lot of people that were uneasy about it. We started off with regular meetings, of course, inter- interacting with, with our staff, smack dab in the middle of draft preparation, which was tough sometimes for me, Steve. I have to say, I mean, normally that this, you know, the month and a half leading up, man, I am locked in and I am so focused on my, my evaluation of players and, and it rarely am I out, you know, reaching out to a lot of the people within football operations. I mean, I'm interacting, but they know to steer clear of me because I'm getting ready. I spent a lot more time trying to be a leader in certain ways outside of evaluating uh, for our upcoming draft. That was complicated, and it and it and it really tugged uh, at a lot of different areas within my within my focus. I settled in honestly after the first two or three weeks, and it, and it felt much better. Is what I'm saying. And we are in a spot right now. Uh, and I'll throw it back to you. We're we are in a spot right now where everyone understands the importance of remote learning, and we are remote uh, working. And we do know that on the other side of this, we are already smack dab in the middle of setting up with all of my department heads plans for making sure that we each are have have a schedule to to remotely work. Um, and we are gonna we are gonna uh, I hate to say force, but we are gonna semi mandate, I guess you could say that people do take that time and they don't just say, okay, yeah, but I'm fine. I want to work here for another three hours tonight and it's 11 o'clock and they're still in our offices. We're going to do a really good job. I believe with that and making sure that they understand from Dan Quinn, our head coach and myself that we are very, very positive and bullish on the fact that they need to get home. 
They need to be around their families some and get comfortable working from home. Thomas, that's really great. I, I want to follow up on two things there. First, um, you touched on something that that I, I felt for a, a long time. When I was in the NFL, um, the Colts won um, a, a Super Bowl. And I, and I felt like part of the reason why, like when I talked to their coaches, like Tony Dungy enabled them and gave them so much more space to actually get out of the office and go home, sleep, do things like sleep, do things mm-hmm. like you know, be with your family. And if I felt like their coaching staff at times had a competitive advantage compared to others who were maybe in their at their desks all the time, just guarding their guarding their desks because the work culture in the NFL sometimes gets to the point where you just work hard for the sake of working hard. And so do you think that this is that this may actually cause teams to, like you said, allow them, allow their coaches and allow their staff to go home and actually have have a little bit more balance in their life? And, and will that balance end up creating basically a, a new cadre of teams who potentially have a competitive advantage. The ones who, the ones who embrace that can get a competitive advantage in the short period. Oh, Steve, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, it, it's really exciting to me. Look again, growing up with a father who was in football for 30 years. And, and again, through that, that hardcore guilt that we were, that we all grew up with in this business, we realized we have to do things differently. We can take a lot of lead from the Europeans, quite honestly, Matthew, like very, very important for us, for us to look at exactly what Steve just mentioned here. We know that we need to work smarter and we've been fighting it for years. And every new wave of, of young general managers and head coaches that come in think, okay, I finally got my gig. I'm not letting it go. I never want to be perceived as the, the, you know, the head of football operations or the co-team builder with the head coach as someone who's not putting in crazy hours and and not you know, burning the candle. I realized more and more myself, unbelievably focused when I eat well, exercise well, and get the right sleep. If I don't do that, I could spend 10, 12, 14 hours in the office and be nowhere near as productive as, as doing those other things and being much more you know, eight hours of focus there. Uh, and and it's, it's unbelievable, and I fight it. I fight it, which I, 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 I get a little upset with myself at times thinking, I should know better than this. This is my 13th year, going into my 13th year as a general manager and almost 30 years in this business and in personnel. And the fact that I don't have a real strong grasp on this or I haven't until now, to, to me is, is, is something that really affects me. Unfortunate that we had something like COVID-19 being the, you know, the, the, maybe the, I don't know if it's a genesis of us starting to work smarter, uh, but is allowing us to look at things in a different way. And I've had, hey, Steve, I've had a number of GMs reach out to me and say, if I could do this and if I could take a day a week, someone mentioned to me recently, two different GMs, if they could take Wednesday, I know it sounds like an odd day, and take the entire day and work from home with, without the incessant knocks on the door, that they would get so much done, feel, feel energized from having Monday and Tuesday, which are very busy days in the NFL, take the Wednesday at home, work from home come back Thursday and Friday, and then, you know, they travel Saturday for games, they would be so much more rejuvenated. I'll be interested to see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see if people actually put their money where their mouth is post-COVID. Um, I have a feeling that the teams that do will get a competitive advantage. And I, and, and I want to drive into one more question um, that you alluded to there, which is um, coaching remotely. So 
teaching people online and virtually is very different than being in a classroom. If anyone who has kids who are being homeschooled by their teachers who are not used to it, know that to be a fact at this point. Um, so, so now you're going to have coaches who NFL coaches are very physical by nature, right? So they can, they can do a lot of, you know, actual physical work that gets their point across while they're either on the field or in the team meeting room or in, or in their uh, positional meeting rooms. So, so now this is going to, this is a, this is another area that I think is either going to, it's almost an area where it feels like you might sink or swim as a coach, but it's also probably a forcing function to actually helping coaches communicate more clearly um, and and find new ways to reach players who maybe they they may have struggled with in the past because you, know, you players can you're going to have to engage them when they're virtually. So how are you guys thinking about upskilling your coaches? And then do you think that that's another area of differentiation for clubs? Well, we're going to have to to definitely stress, Steve, the importance of of being adaptable. I mean this. Uh, again, I'll speak to our league, but I'll speak to, to sport in general. In professional sport, if you're not adaptable, man, you know, adapt or die idea, That there's no question. If we have old school coaches, and you and I know them, we know them very well. And and, and though I love them and appreciate them for, for what they believe in and their passion for the game, at times it really frustrates me as a general manager. We have to adapt. And they need to look at uh, a better way of teaching. Look, the reality is, Steve, we aren't going to have offensive line rooms, meeting rooms with 15 people. Again, I don't believe that we're going to be able to function at least until we get, obviously, you know, the the the, um, the test, the proper tests, and the and uh, where we're going with COVID. Of course, I mean, we're we're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to potentially filter people through and have two or three people at a time in those meeting rooms. So those those offensive line coaches, for instance, or those position coaches are going to have to be very creative with how they how they teach their team. Right now, we're in the middle of it. We, we opened up last week where Dan Quinn and our coaches are meeting with our players. You know, we're not doing virtual workouts right now, just so you know. That's a whole other conversation to talk about as well. But we are doing our, our classroom uh, work right now, of course, remotely. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's been accepted well. I mean, our guys are accepting it and understanding that they have to. And, and our coaches are really forcing uh, our head coach is really forcing our assistant coaches to be really adaptable, creative, and report back on what's happening. In the past, they might not have done that. So uh, really, really important, really important evolution of what we're doing to your This is all great stuff, Thomas. And yeah, I think we're dipping in and out of COVID-related questions and topics. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned there 13 years or so since you became GM in Atlanta and a long, you know, a long time before that in football. But you know, there have been highs and lows, of course, like in any sport and with any leader. How do you reflect on on that journey so far and, and what are the main things you think you've learned? Well, 13 years, uh, you know, I, I, it, it first of all blows me away how fast that goes, right? just seemed like yesterday I, I was um, a humble but proud 40, early 40-something general manager. Now all of a sudden I'm 53. Like, where does that go? <laughs> you know, Steve, it's, it's crazy, right? I just I, I think about it in the NFL, it flies by so fast because there you know there's so many phases and cycles within our league. Look, I I've, I feel like my where I was, and I've said this time and again, where I was in my first two or three years when I was struggling to keep my head above water, looking around and and being accepting of certain things that I'm so far from being accepting of now, meaning 
you know, you know so much more 10, 12, 13 years in this business of what you know you think works and when what you know doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm working every day. I, it's interesting because in those earlier years, I, someone brought it up to me recently, like, Thomas, back then you seemed so, so much more like, you know, a, a wild horse rider. Like you were, you were making moves for Julio and you weren't thinking about the repercussions as much as you do now. And I think the reality of, of time in something, in a job like this, you, you, you again, realize a lot more. You look at it with much more of a broader scope than you did, than I did when I was very young in this business, at least as a general manager making decisions. And I, I know that this affects a lot of people. Uh, I'm still, I still have that side of me. I definitely have, a, a, again, a humble confidence about me knowing that what I'm doing, I feel very comfortable with what I do and my decisions. Obviously, they're not going to all work out, uh, but I realize they're done with a very thoughtful approach. Our entire organization, I'm very proud to say they're very thoughtful. And Steve, you've dealt with some of our tech people and analytics people who are incredibly intelligent and well thought out. I believe in general, our, our team, I believe our head coach and our owner are, are so well thought out and, I, and, and thoughtful in, in our approach that I continue to learn. I actually, just so you guys know, I mean, I'm working with probably, let's see, I have three different coaches that I'm working with right now. You know, that idea of, of having a board of your own board of directors, something that I've, I've thought about over the years and continue to build and you know, having an opportunity right now to 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 work with uh, Jeff Eggers from the McChrystal Group has been really good for me, along with Jeff uh, Mitchell from uh, from our own within our own corporate world, and, and Dean Stamoulis, who you might know, Steve, who is with Russell Reynolds, who spends a lot of time with me as well. So I'm working with different people, always looking to learn and get better because I still believe I have so much more to learn in this after 13 years. It's uh, refreshing to hear that as a you know hear a leader who who wants to to learn all the time. I was looking back through some notes of you know conversations we've had in the past at PAs and you know words like adaptability, alignment, trust, humility, accountability all came up. And you know I know from talking to you in the past how big culture is for you and how important it is. I mean where where for you does that stem from? You know those sorts of words being embedded in your culture, and, and how has that evolved? I guess over the time that you've been in Atlanta. Well, I, I've said this before. I mean, definitely from from my father, who was a longtime coach and personnel man. You know, growing up in, in a football household from the day I was born, being around the sport, being you know knowing what it was ultimately to be about the team. I remember my dad saying, like, "Don't be one of those you know know it all young know it all guys." that that you know pulls at the fabric of the team even when I was playing you know to to when I first started working and scouting and then you know he didn't get the chance to see me I passed away in 96 uh see what I'm doing now but so I was I was growing up in that it wasn't until I got to working with uh coach Belichick and the Patriots that I realized that that could all that was more than just a sort of a philosophy that it could you know come to fruition by a, a lot of the hard work and the focus on you know team and and you know, uh, essentialism basically and, and not entitlement and, uh, you know, what I've mentioned before, indisputable role understanding in New England. So I realized that I've taken a lot of that. There are certain things from, from Bill and, and, and the approach there in New England that, I, that aren't me personally that I never brought to Atlanta, but I learned so much there and I continue to learn the importance of, you know, adhering to a lot of the words that you had mentioned earlier. Dan and I, Dan Quinn and I, our head coach here in Atlanta, I mean, we have an amazing relationship and we've weathered a really interesting storm this past year 
which we could get into as well. I mean, it's it means so much when you have a general manager and a head coach that are are in are are aligned per per philosophy. I've had people say to me before, and I won't mention names. You need you know a contentious relationship between a head coach and a GM to to accomplish and get things done and be a championship team. And I vehemently disagree with that. Uh, I, of course, you need debate, no question, but contentious relationships, absolutely not. Thomas, this is uh, Steve. So let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Let, I mean, what, what was the what was the the issue that you guys weathered this season? And then can you talk about it in the, in the framework of, well, I'm hoping you can talk about it in the framework of the values and philosophy that you're you're trying to instill in the team? Sure, Steve. Like, look, we, we were in a spot, as you know, uh, following the NFL, as you do. You know, we started off one and seven. We, we came into a year that was following a really difficult year that was laden with injuries, but no one wants to hear about that. Right. So that's, there's, there was no excuses. We needed to come back this past season and, and really improve. You know, Arthur Blank is a really driven man. He's a great owner to work for, and he's got incredibly high expectations like I do and, and like Dan does. So we had very high expectations this year, started off at one and seven. We were really back on the ropes. And by the way, this is my opportunity to say, like watching Dan Quinn and what he did during that time. So leading up, Dan's a very upbeat, positive, passionate person, and he is a he is about glass half full. Of course, he what he believes he lives, and we would you know we'd be watching fight videos and you know on on Fridays about people on the ropes leading up to that. And I thought, let's see. I would sit at the back of the at the back of the uh, meeting room, and I would watch how Dan handled his team you know, as the season went on and it got really, really tough. It was, it was, it was quite amazing. And I, and I don't usually throw around superlatives, but having a lot of the, the assistant coaches who have been around this game for 20 and 30 years say to me, I've never seen a head coach pull that off during a really tough time when it could have gone downhill fast. Those players believed in him and everything that we watched on all those, those old time fights where guys were on the ropes, you know, getting the crap kicked out of them. They came back. That's what he lived. And, and so he won the team over for sure during that time. And uh, it's why he kept his job. And we ultimately kept our job here this year after a really, really tough season. We had a, an opportunity during that time, Steve, to obviously question a lot of what we were doing. Did we, did we, were we uh, appropriately critical during those, during those, those uh, weeks and, and months during that part of the season? Of course, we didn't abort the mission on our, our, on our general philosophies. But we took certain things, and Dan, to his credit, uh, took decisions that he made and adjusted them, i.e. moving you know, Raheem Morris over from being an offensive coach to being the D coordinator to himself backing away from some of his responsibilities, you know, trying to be you know, the D coordinator as well as trying to be the, the, the defensive end coach. Watching Dan, it was really impressive to see how he put his ego aside and said, I'm going to do what's best for this football team. And what is essential for this football team and, uh, you know, beyond admirable and gained a ton of respect for Dan during that whole, whole really difficult time. So it sounds like they're like some of the key values and, and traits that um, were, were adaptability, um, which you mentioned earlier, and then also um, selfishness, which which I know you talk a lot about. Let's shift to players. How do you how do you go about trying to observe or trying to test whether or not a player who you're getting ready to draft or sign in free agency has the adaptability or the selfishness that you, you want them to, uh, to exhibit there on, on the Falcons. 
Well, I mean, it's it's a very good point because because right now, as I, I, I said at the beginning of our, our, our general conversation before we even kicked off, um, the importance coming into this season after the season we had, though we recovered again with the, the sort of the, the 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 I like to call them like the throbbing words that are on the screen, sort of throbbing there, like discipline, uh, accountability, consistency, uh, production, you know, passion. All those things we knew were really important to bring into this organization. Interestingly enough, we we pinpointed some ele- elements of of, of selfishness, um, general selfishness on the team that needed to be addressed. And you know, some of the people are still on our team that we you know we've obviously approached. And uh, you know, Dan does such a great job of approaching issues and 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 mixes so well with the players that he can have really tough conversations as can our assistant coaches. That's part of being accountable, not only for the players, but for the coaches to press. You know that as being a, you know, a coach and, and an assistant coach, it's vital that you're, you're pressing your position group. So I, I guess uh, what I'm saying in the end there is, is players, we, we did a lot of research on them, not only in our own research, uh, we do research of course with our own, our, our uh, psychological testing. We have probably three different psych tests going that we work with. Uh, we, we do work with Dean Stamoulis, again, from Russell Reynolds. We have our own interviews and our own assessments that we go through. So it's a, it's a, it's a real deep dive. And again, this year, probably more than any other year, we were, we were very particular. We weren't, we weren't looking at coming up short on the field. Of course, talent was incredibly important for this. But we wanted to, to make sure that we, we, we stepped back a little bit and realized one of the things I did learn in New England, New England, Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli used to always say to me, you can win with good and very good players. You do not have to have the elite player who is tugging at the fabric of the team just because they're the elite player. You know what I'm saying? And you know it well, Steve, I'm sure. Get the right mix. The guys that fit into Dan's team concept is, is vital. Yeah, that's great. And so let's talk about this 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 year's draft specifically on that. You know, AJ Marlin and and the guys who you ended up bringing in. Um, how do they fit that? How do they fit your team? Um, not only from a talent perspective, but then also from a personality perspective. So we'll start with AJ. I mean, AJ AJ Terrell is you know it, it was a he's a big, tall, six one and a half cornerback. For those who don't know that in, out in the in the UK as much, uh, fast four three nine forty. Uh, a, you know, adept football player who played around a big program who was compared by Dabo Swinney, who is, you know, they're Clemson's an unbelievable program and historic program in, in the college ranks in the United States, along with Alabama. And uh, he's so highly regarded in that program. Um, he was, he was, he was uh, paralleled with Deshaun Watson, who is known for being an incredible leader, incredible person inside out on the field, off the field, very dedicated, very focused, wants to be the best, has this really strong drive to learn and always get better. And uh, that was really important for us as a cornerback, as you can imagine, at a, at a position that sometimes cannot necessarily um, always possess, you know, those traits. You usually have some incredible athletes there and sometimes, you know, they're, they're uh, maybe not as rounded all the time. That's a bad generalization, but it does happen sometimes. To have a guy like A.J. Terrell who has such a rounded element to him was really important for us to pick in the first round. We picked him at number 16. Uh, of course, that was right in the middle of the first round and really excited about having him and what he stands for and what he's going to do with with our team and how he's going to build both on and off the field. 
And Marlon Davidson, you know, from Auburn, our, our interior defensive lineman that we took, another really important guy. It, it doesn't really matter what these people are as positions necessarily. I know for the listeners here, but he represents drive, passion, forward thinking, um, a, a swagger about them. Both these guys have a swagger about them because they've been around very good football programs who have been held to high standards, who have been expected to have discipline, consistency, and accountability in their approach. Again, not only in training and working on their craft, but also in learning the game and getting better in all walks of life, in all elements of their life. You mentioned two guys there that obviously you've done a huge amount of prep on to get to know them as much as you can. How do you now look to go and onboard them into your into your culture? And I guess in this virtual world we're living at the moment, it's going to be more difficult. But how do you get them to realize what being a Falcon means to them now? Well, I, look, the onboarding element is is really important for us. We realize it more now than ever. And, and quite honestly, this this is an opportunity to to laud one of our, our uh, contemporaries in, in Mike Ford and what he's taught me and Dan Quinn about, uh, you know, onboarding, the importance of onboarding, not only from his, you know, from our only working with him, but just, you know, everything that we've talked about from putting together the right program of onboarding and making sure that we are not just skimming the top and that we're really, really taking a deep dive into the proper uh, approach to onboarding. And it's no longer just, here's a playbook, and here's a here's a two page document on on what you need to know about the city of Atlanta. There's there are so many layers to it, and and uh, again, uh, kudos to to and and thanking Mike Ford and 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 making sure that he drilled that home to us when we were working with him on putting together a plan. That was vital for us, and it, and it continues to be vital because Dan takes that and he really presses his assistant coaches to be an important part of the onboarding, not only assistant coaches, not only Dan, not only me, but our player programs people, our athletic performance uh, people, our tech football technology people to, you know, uh, across the board. So I'm, it's, it's deep. Uh, it's, it's probably not necessarily uh, for the scope of this conversation, but suffice it to say that it is, it's something that I'm very proud of. And in the past, I've probably been uh, probably the first five years. It wasn't as important. The last thing I'll say about that is, not only those players, the entire team, of course, but when you start looking at some of the players that you know are going to be project players, that onboarding is the kickoff to a really good game plan. Uh, something that I, if I were to raise my hand and say, what have I done wrong over these 13 years? There have been, I don't know, a handful, but probably two or three players that I would have had a much more, and I don't usually use this word, but a much more robust plan for. And, and that's important to me. And I realize that we all learn from our mistakes, right? Those players, I know that we lost along the way because we didn't have a great onboarding plan and a maintenance plan for them. That was a big part of the losses of those players in my mind. Thomas, on that, um, have you, when it comes to onboarding players, have they changed at all? And has, I mean, and not even just the onboarding process, but the entire process of like working in with and, and managing your players, like everyone... You know, we go to conferences all the time and people talk about, you know, Gen Z, da, 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 da. Um, and is that true? Like, do you have you have you seen over your tenure as GM for the Falcons? Have you seen a change in, uh, in what players need or want in order to uh, assimilate into an organization better? Yeah. So, I mean, look, Steve, respectfully, much more needy. Uh, and, and that that does not need to be a negative, negative word, you know, but it's. 
but they are much more needy than, than when Matt Ryan came out, you know, our quarterback who we drafted back in 08, my very first draft pick as a general manager, the difference between him and that class to, you know, the class now, the classes now and recently, it's exponentially different and exponentially more wanting and needy. And it's the here and now element. I will tell you one of the things that came up, Steve, and I'm sure you've probably heard this, with the, the portal that's going on in the, in the NCAA where these players can, can, uh, can think about leaving a program because, A, they may not be excelling or not getting along with their position coach or the head coach or don't believe in the program anymore, think that they're being stagnant because of the program, that they're looking to go somewhere else. That has carried over into the NFL now. We've had more agents come to us and to me personally and say, Thomas, I'm just telling you, you know, player A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z, and, and Z have asked me, would you guys consider a trade? Because they're just not functioning well right now, and they think they need a change. Think about that. My God, back in the day, it was, no, well, if we ever heard that, it was that was like grounds for almost thinking, all right, we'll get rid of this guy. This is ridiculous. And, and uh, now it's the player is perceiving it as, I need a fresh start to thrive and to make all the money that I think I'm going to make in this league. That means me going to another team. So two years in, can, can you think about trading me? There's more and more inquiries about that than there ever has been. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, so, so that I think, I think one of the like fascinating things, and we don't have enough time to talk about it today, but I think one of the more fascinating things is going to be, you know, the juxtaposition of how players have been changing and how coaches have been changing and how the entire world and the context around sports has changed for the last 10 years now hit with COVID and what are the next 15 years going to look like? My guess is, is pretty radically different. Um, some things are going to stay the same because they always do, but, um, but I think things are going to change uh, for, uh, you know, some things for the good, for the better, some things for the worse, and how we handle that is going to make all the difference. And it sounds like you guys are, are handling it really well at the Falcons. Before we, before we finish here today, one of the things I, I do want to ask you, you're an incredibly well-read guy, Thomas. I, you know, people have a little bit extra time on their hands uh, right now. So what are you reading um, or do you have any recommendations for things that people should be uh, feeding their brains uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks? Well, I, I, again, I, I'm, I've been off, off the book situation for a few months here getting ready for this draft, of course. But uh, I, I know that it was brought to the attention by, by, you know, by the leaders group at one time when I was reading the book, you know, Essentialism, uh, which Matthew know about, of course. So I dug back into that because essentialism, I needed to really, truly go back to, you know, what was really important for me. And that was to, to look at what, you know, what really strikes the chord for me. I think the McChrystal group I had mentioned earlier as well, General McChrystal, you know, and, and the books that are coming out of there, the, the leaders books with, with he and Jeff Eggers writing the books, uh, the leadership books out of the McChrystal group to me, I find fascinating. I, I find they're just what I need right now a mixture of a combination of a few things that, you know, from, from sort of a really disciplined approach, but also an understanding of what's going on in today's world is, is, is vital for me. So, yeah, I, I wish I could list a whole bunch of books for you, but let's just say, go to the McChrystal group, check out their, their library. And I think it's, it's fascinating what we're digging into right now. And Thomas, how are, how are you getting unplugged? You mentioned that you went for a ride. Um, are you, are you still cycling a lot? Are you, are you, how are you, how are you unplugging and, and getting, uh, some of the, uh, some COVID downtime. Yeah. You know, I, I said to myself when this all started that I was going to 
jump back into uh, being regular on my bike and, and I am getting an hour to an hour and a half in every day that we've been off. And that's consistent for me, which has been really good. I mean, literally every day, which I love. It makes, you know, that's important. The eating side of it is really big for me as well, being at home and being able to eat properly. And believe me, my rice cooker goes, uh, uh, it goes every day, a couple times a day, probably. So I'm just, I've been really mindful about the, the plant-based diet. Of course, I'm still eating a little bit of fish here and there, and, and I will have, you know, a, a little bit of dairy uh, with the, the beautiful bottle of wine that I'll, I'll always crave and, and, and appreciate. But, but I, I think the biggest thing for me is feeling, feeling that, you know, taking the time and making sure, and even before that, Steve, I'd say the importance of spending time with my family um, you know, they, my, my children, uh, split time with me and, and their mother who lives about seven miles away. So we've been, we've developed a really good, uh, routine between the two of us. And then having the kids here is vital. And I'm really trying to spend proper time with the fitness, the eating well, and my kids, because in the end, I want to come out of this, of course, God willing, like all of us do, uh, a better person and, and rounded in a lot more ways. And on top of that, uh, being able to work on mind, body, and soul is really important to me. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything that your kids have introduced to you, um, like on Netflix or, uh, or any, uh, um, anything the kids have introduced to you that, that, that you, that you're, you're kind of getting addicted to? Am I, you am know I, what I would, now that I'm, now that I actually am away from the draft, this is going to start, this will be my first weekend that I have them, um, you know, fully. So I'm sure I will kick into that. Believe it or not, Every device I go on, I find like three or four different apps, kids apps on there. I'm like, what in the world is this? And I tell them, this is, these are work, these are work, uh, apparatus or work, uh, iPads and such. And they just kind of look at me with their, you know, their cute eyes. And I'm like, ah, I can't yell at them for it. So <laughs> I have a six year old before you know it. I, again, I have stuff all over my iPads. It's hilarious. Thomas, that was a, uh, a pleasure, sir. Thank you to you. Thank you to Steve. Uh, a pleasure to speak to you as always. Uh, stay safe across the pond and, and, and send our best to Dan, Marty, Alyssa and the rest of the team, will you? We will. We'll talk soon. And Matthew, you and I, let's, let's grab some time as well. And, and uh, just like I mentioned to, to Steve, please both reach out because now I have some time. We can definitely capitalize on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thanks, gents. Always appreciate it. You guys are motivating. That's it for another At Home With Leaders episode, but you can find this podcast as well as all the others that we create on the Leaders Content Hub, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred platform. Thomas and his staff are part of the membership network, and he also spoke at our event in his fabulous home, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, last year in Atlanta. So if you want to watch that session, plus access all the other great content and be part of the worldwide network like the Falcons are, and head over to leadersinsport.com forward slash performance to learn more about the home of total high performance. As always, thank you to John Porch for pulling these podcasts together behind the scenes. You're doing a terrific job as always, chap. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon. <laughs>